Welcome to the Honest Field Guide podcast, a weekly show dedicated to winning in entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Ginger Birkenbuehl. I'm the CEO of Burke Creative, a leadership, brand strategy, and visual identity agency dedicated to helping scale brands and assist with their adaptability with the market. On my show, you get to eavesdrop in on intimate conversation with business leaders and inspired entrepreneurs designed to give you tips and strategies so your own business can thrive. Subscribe and join me each week for laughter, inspiration, and honest stories. Welcome back to my show, The Honest Field Guy Podcast. I am Ginger Birkenbuehl. I am so incredibly thrilled to be talking to Jacob Adlington of the platform Journey of Curiosity. He is calling in from Australia, which is amazing. One of the bizarre benefits of COVID-19 pandemic is that I'm able to talk to people in far away lands, which is really, really cool. Jacob is an audio engineer turned visual sound artist and a photographer from New Zealand based in Australia. Jacob's bio reads, I have a deep belief in the power of music and sound to shape our physical and mental realities and beyond. This is what inspires my passion to bring sound vibrations into visual form. It was while I was studying audio engineering around 2010 that I first came across somatics, the art and science of visible sound. I'm really thrilled to talk to Jacob. And here's the, here's the story. The backstory is back in 2018, um, I stumbled across this amazing platform on Instagram called Journey of Curiosity. And if you want to check it out right now, it's journey.of.curiosity on Instagram. And I, I saw this amazing content and I was just like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. There's beautiful images and colors and, 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 and shimmers. And it was just, it was just an explosion of, of beauty. And I thought, you know, this person, and I had no idea gender at all. I thought this person um, has a beautiful concept. And I wonder, are they actually out here trying to make money on this? Because this to me looks really big. It looks relaxing. It looks like just what I need right now. And mind you, this is before the pandemic when everything went absolutely insane. And I left a comment on his Instagram channel and he actually responded. And again, this is back in 2018. He said, hey, what did you mean by your comment? And I responded and I'm going to read to you my message. This is a market for this type of music and meditation. Something about your post is different than what I've previously seen out there. Perhaps you could start a new channel that exclusively focuses on that type of post. You could start a Facebook page. You can start a YouTube channel with the exact type of content, long form. And, and then I started asking him questions about when you become more popular, because I knew he would, you know, you could monetize on YouTube. And so that started our entire conversation back from 2018. And I'm so excited now because he's here and he has completely transformed and blown up his platform. It is everywhere. He's got thousands of followers all over the place. Jacob, welcome to my show, The Honest Field Guy Podcast. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you. That's so lovely. Thank you. 
<laughs> so what's it like right now in Australia? Are things, uh, I know your services are high in high demand, right? Meditation, relaxation, visualization, right? I mean, is it just going bananas? Well, I mean, like as far as like the local stuff goes, there's, we're kind of back to being pretty normal back here as far as like the pandemic and stuff goes. But I mean, meditation, it's, it's everywhere, right? Like it's, it doesn't matter where you are in the world. It's, it's, uh, it resonates. Right. It really does. It really does. And I just started getting into meditation myself before the pandemic. And now I am looking at it more. I'm starting to get my body involved in yoga, um, which I never thought I could ever do. And now I can, um, I do take moments of mindfulness um, throughout the day, which I never believed I could do. But before I get into me, because <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, one of the things I love about your channel is that I get a lot, I get a lot out of it, but I really want to understand and back up a little bit um, for those that don't really understand about meditation or how people came into it. I want to ask you about when you were really young, right? Where did you grow up? And just thinking about your your the content on your post, you are very you seem to be connected to nature. Were you surrounded by trees or water or mountains or, or when you were a little boy? Like what was what was happening with you? Well, I grew up in a small town, Taranga, New Zealand. It's it's actually more of a beach town, but we have this beautiful volcano that you can climb up and it's a dormant volcano and it's just it's there is you know uh, multiple bushwalks and things like that that are really close by and i was always going out for bushwalks as a child but yeah i i mean i've always felt that connection to nature so i mean were your parents involved in nature i mean was it were they supportive of it i mean were they also you know you said what did you call it a bushwalk <laughs> is that what you called it yeah, what do you guys, do you I not call it bushwalk? No, I don't even know what that know. is. <laughs> what is a bushwalk? Oh my God, that's so funny. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. So it's just basically like a, a walk in, in the okay, forest. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. So is that what you did with your parents? I mean, were they nature people as well? Or is it just sort of self-evident because you're living next to a dormant volcano? Now I'm thinking about it. Like my my dad was really encouraging and we'd always go for walks out in the forest and hold hands and, and we'd, instead of like a four wheel drive, we'd, he'd call it like a four foot drive and we'd sort of go off road a little bit together and, you know, with our four feet and explore the, the bush a little bit, the, the forest a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And, and what about your mom? Was she also like a nature person or was it really your father who was, who instilled the respect and the, and the, the grandness and beauty of nature. Cause that's what I'm hearing your voice when you, when you, when you're reminiscing about it. I actually believe that they weren't that sensitive to nature in, in the sense that, mm. that I was. And I always felt sort of a bit of an outsider in that respect. I've always been more sensitive to things of like visual beauty or um, I guess like a spiritual beauty like in a, in a deep way that I always felt a little bit weird to experience. So, you know, like I could, as, as growing up, I could easily be brought to tears just looking at a sunset or something like that. And I always felt pretty weird mm. being like that. But, and, and that sort of is an extension of just having a deep beholding beauty uh, of nature. You no, know, I love that. You felt a little bit weird. It sounds like your parents, um, 
didn't interfere with that. Um, you had to have been a curious child, right? I mean, if you were looking at a sunset and crying, you had to have been curious. Um, was your curiosity yeah. nurtured in your family or did they just let you be? I mean, did they, did they, you know, did they sort of give you opportunities to learn new things or they just let you be a free spirit? What was that like? Well, they did. But uh, like when I think back on it now, I actually think that a lot of, for me, it's like been a journey of overcoming self-limiting beliefs. So it's like I wanted to explore more art and be an artist when I was a, a child. I remember writing like a uh, like a time capsule thing for my future self when I was, I don't know, like 10 or something like that. And I said I wanted to be an artist. But I never, ever explored that because I actually had like a self-limiting belief that you had to be like super feminine or something like that. And you, you couldn't be an artist as a man. Like, I don't know why, but that's just sort of felt like the people that I was around seemed to sort of uh, give this idea. I don't know why, but for the longest time, I actually really suppressed that um, only until a few years ago. Really? A few years ago? Yeah. I mean, so mm -hmm. yeah. um, and that's that's fascinating because I think to, you know, my own children and I'm desperate for them to be artists. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, my, yeah. my whole vision is that you're either a creator or you're a slave. I mean, that's how I look at life. Like you're creating or, I mean, I feel like mm. that's an elitist point of view, right? You're like, if you're not creating, you're nothing. But I do think um, to your point, um, you know, creating things does open up an entire world of wonder. Um, and it, it it just opens your your spirit to creating something amazing, which is what you've done with Journey of Curiosity. I mean, you named your company Journey of Curiosity. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, New Zealand though, you know, it's touted as one of the happiest, healthiest places to live, right, in the world. Um, do you feel that when you were a child, you experienced that? Or do you sort of feel like, because you don't you don't know why exactly you weren't encouraged to be an artist or to be natural? Um, you know, do you think it was New Zealand that that this this sort of experience came for you that you didn't feel, um, quote unquote, normal, you felt different? Or you know, what, what is, where did that, where does that come from? I think it could just come from the fact that I was in a very small town or well, not small, but it was, you know, relatively small. And I mean, New Zealand's a relatively small place as well, as far as population goes. And I think that it was just a sense of smallness and, you know, my own internal anxieties and things like that. And yeah, mm -hmm. but, but as I, come to realize that they were, you know, just self-limiting um, illusions. Right. You know, the visual of you as a little boy looking at the sun and becoming emotional, thank goodness you were raised in an environment that had nature. How do you feel about curiosity? Where do you think the curiosity comes from? I think that honestly, when I think about it, it's actually the same thing. It's like a deep sensitivity. It's, it's like a being open to wonder and awe and, and beauty and all things around you. And it's sort of like a, a state of awareness. And then that triggers a sense of curiosity to learn more, to dig deeper. Um, but it all comes from a sense of wonder that is just 
a state of being open to being of what is. How do you create that sense of wonder in your mind? Do you protect yourself in some way so that you can maintain that? Or is it something that you just can't help? I mean, it's always a constant struggle for myself as well. It's like comes and goes in cycles. It's just a learned way of seeing. You know, there is beauty in everything. Uh, if if you <laughs> if you choose to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but exactly, it is very difficult sometimes. Mm-hmm. Just get outside and, and I go for a walk in, in nature or something and try and reconnect with that. Just try to find beauty in the most mundane thing because it's always there. I love that. So, and I I don't mean to sound flippant because I really, really do love it. I struggle with finding beauty in the mundane some days, just as you mentioned. Talk a little bit about the the time from, you know, the beauty of, of sunsets and walking with your father to how you then became a, a sound engineer? Yeah, so, I mean, I was always fascinated by music. And I, I always, the sense that music had this enchanting power that nothing else had. And because I was interested in art, but I still at this point didn't feel like I could be an artist or explore art because of those, like I say, those self-limiting beliefs. I decided to study audio engineering, which is more around the the recording and the, the engineering side, the technical side of music. And that was sort of like a, a technical lens through which I could explore the artistic side of music. So I could be closer to that. Did you know you were going to be doing that in high school? I mean, how, how did you, I mean, listen, this is the kind of space that unless your parent is involved somehow in some kind of technical space, you know, whether it be science, engineering or math, you know, STEM, typical STEM careers. I don't know that a, a, a young high schooler would say, oh, I'm going to go into audio engineering. I mean, where did that idea get presented to you? Did you have a mentor or something or, or someone that said, oh, you need to try this. This would be perfect for you. No, I think it was the only thing that I felt like I wanted to do because, but I only realized later now that it was because it was combining the technical and the artistic uh, which you know later evolves into to to what I'm exploring now, but then it was the it was just the closest thing that I could get to those com- combination of the two, and it was just I, I never really knew anyone that was that else else was into it. I I don't know how I I came across it honestly, but and then I so I studied audio engineering. Honestly, like I never did a lot with it. So for the longest time, I've just been trying to dis figure out what I wanted to do. and But I knew that I, I wanted to create something. And mm-hmm. I've always been wanting to create and in, in any way. Like you say, like, you know, you're either creating or you're a slave. And I never wanted to be a slave. And, and you can create in any way. Like, it's like you can create through writing. You can create through ideas. You can create through visual or there's so many different ways, but even even ideas of creation. It sounds like you realize that later in life. Um, I, I want to understand, um, do you feel like you couldn't keep going with audio engineering and that wasn't giving you enough, which is how you sort of um, transformed yourself into what you have now, which is Journey of Curiosity? I mean, where did the switch happen? I think that's exactly it. Like, uh, because I was always interested in the technical, the science side of things, 
but also the artistic creative side of things. And I was always seeking something that could merge the two. But if you get too far into the one side, say like the technical, the science-y kind of side, then you're sort of losing the other half of it. And it was when I started to learn more about the physics of sound that I started to see the potential for something that was, you know, the, the art of sound. And when I came across cymatics, it was first the first thing that I saw, which is when I was studying audio engineering, was the uh, the cladney plate, which is like the sand sprinkled on a metal plate in the shape of a tortoise shell. And then it was vibrated by certain sounds. And then the patterns that were created looked similar to the tortoise shell patterns. And that, at the time, just just like totally instilled me with such a sense of wonder and awe. And I was like, wow, I have to figure this out. I have to understand this, like from a physics standpoint, but also then I thought, well, if there would be a way to capture that and, and have it on your wall, that would be amazing to have like conceptually a piece of visual art that was also conceptually built from the physics of sound. And, and it was then that I knew that like, okay, I want to try and explore this. And obviously like, the idea of cymatics is a physics phenomena that's been around for forever, but um, I wanted to explore it through the lens of art. Wow. I mean, that's incredible that you were, that you were able to seize that moment of inspiration and idea and say, I, I see something. I want to, I want to figure out what this is. I mean, a lot of people don't listen to that. They don't listen or they're not in touch enough to listen. When did that happen to you? Were you, so you were at the time you, were you studying at the time or were you actually working? So I was still studying at the time. And then I was just to totally into this idea of cymatics. And so I began trying to experiment myself. So this was maybe like 10 years ago and I began experimenting and nothing worked. Like I couldn't create anything that the things that I was seeing out there. So it, around that time as well, there was a sense of spirituality in a way, like, like I've changed a lot, but there was a sense, and, and by spirituality, I guess I mean a sense of wonder and um, just magic in everything. It was just such an inspiring time that I was sort of just, it, it, it like called forth to like try and experiment with this and create something. And it was sort of like this really magical time. But at, at the end of the day, like it actually, it always failed and I couldn't ever create anything interesting. And then I, I left it until uh, a long time later. So can you talk a little bit about more about that process of experimenting and failure? So what did the experimenting look like for you? And, and when, when you continuously failed, something was still driving you to keep going. Something. And it was, what was that that was driving you to keep going? I don't know, honestly, but it, what I realized now is that it wasn't until a long time later, which was when I was traveling in India in like 2017 or something like that, that I came across the idea of like sound healing and all this stuff and people using Tibetan singing bowls and crystal bowls uh, combined with meditation to create sort of sound healing experiences. And then it reminded me of the cymatic stuff again, which was, you know, um, around sound and uh, physics and all that sort of stuff. Then it, it just reinvigorated that 
that inspiration to try and explore that thing that continually failed. And so I, I decided that when I came back from my travels that I would explore cymatics again and experiment again. But honestly, I think I was driven by fear at some point, which is, so originally I had the inspiration because I was instilled with wonder, but then I saw other people who were actually exploring this and they were doing it in a way that was um, really beautiful and amazing. And I felt almost like a sense of jealousy. And I was like, oh man, like I want to be doing that. So I had to do it better. That actually drove me, which is maybe a bit weird, but I was driven by a sense of jealousy. But it, like I took, I took that energy and really used it to push me um, and then to, to go back to what inspired me. I love that. You know, for for people that don't know, can you explain a little bit more about what exactly you were trying to build, right? And how does that look? Because I know what it looks like on your channel. You have all this equipment, cameras, microphones. You know, I mean, it is really it is really intense. And I love watching your process, and I love reading your narrative describing what you're doing. But but going back to the time that you were watching other people doing it, what was being done? Like what was happening and what were you doing? And and what did the failure actually look like? Exploring cymatics for me is like just one element of exploring the art of visible sound. There's different ways of doing it. And on a technical side, it's fairly simple and straightforward. So like, say like the water cymatics is water, light and sound. But then there's also the other side of it, which is the Cladney cymatics, which is just a metal plate with, you know, sprinkling sand on the metal plate and then using a transducer, basically like a speaker to vibrate the metal plate. And then once you get certain resonant frequencies, it creates these beautiful geometric shapes. And when I was experimenting with this sort of thing, it was, it was just like, just nothing would look good. It was just a complete mess. It was chaos and and never order, which was mm-hmm. the, the beauty in it is the, the, the patterns when they emerge. And, and that's a sense of harmonious order in a way. And it's like, but I was always uh, just experiencing the chaos. <laughs> and, and what does, what does chaos look like visually? A, a random mess. So there's just like a pile of sand or a, like a drip of water, nothing else. Exactly. It's just basically just like um, just noise, you know, like imagine the sand just 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 bouncing around doing nothing. Interesting. Mm. I want to understand when you talk about interesting happening, are you when you're doing your craft, right? Um, are you able to manipulate the process to create a visual that's in your head or are you creating the process and you're opening yourself up to whatever comes out. Uh, yeah. Okay. So this is interesting because this is like almost like an inattention that I've been dealing with a lot. And that is the idea of creating something by capturing it, like allowing something to happen organically, which is essentially what we're doing when exploring cymatics is you're, you're, you're capturing a physics phenomenon, but there is certain creative ways in which you can capture it. So like um, the different color of lights or at a, at a certain point, I feel like I want to 
put myself into it more. Like, like you say, like have an idea in my head and then try and visualize that or try and create something that is personal and rather than capturing something that is physical and technical and happening of itself. Uh, and so that's something that I've been trying to explore recently, uh, mainly with the, the Cladney stuff, which is the sand and the, and the plate, creating something a little bit more abstract, but something a bit more personal. Uh, as opposed to something that's replicable by anyone and is just sort of capturing a phenomena. Has anyone done it? Not in the sense that I'm imagining it. Okay. And that's fair because that's what I wanted. <laughs> you just gave me the answer I wanted. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the, the nature of entrepreneurship and, and, and coming up with your own ideas. I mean, that's exactly, that's the core essence of what we're all trying to do, right? Um, it's fascinating. So with, you know, with the work that you're doing, you incorporate music, Mm-hmm. And you also have a visual expression um, around it. Can you, you know, what is your process around choosing music? Are you, are you making your own music? Are you finding other people's music? You know, what is it like to collaborate with other people if you're not making your own music? Mm. Yeah. So at the moment, honestly, it's it's mainly other people just coming to me and being like, hey, like, um, can you use my music to create something visual from that? I want to create my own music and create my own experiences, but that's just something that uh, I've been continually procrastinating. That's the power of Instagram as well, by the way, is that I've been able to build up a following enough that I just get people all the time just reaching out to me and saying like, hey, like, can you create this, you know, experience or whatever with my music? Uh, so it's sort of like a commission sort of thing. What are they doing with it? Uh, some people are using it uh, you know, that, that like to project in like a, maybe like a meditative sort of sound healing environment. Some people using it for just their personal reasons or, or whatever. But that's another thing. I think that when I started my page, I understood a certain niche audience and then I kind of targeted that niche audience, but in a way I've sort of limited myself to that niche audience so the people who are interested in this stuff can find it easily through through what I'm sharing. But I think like where I'm at now, I'm, I'm sort of looking at wh- where can I go from here and, and like how to break out of that in a way. Where does the meditation piece come in to journey of curiosity? You know, you went to India. I don't even know why you went there. Like what called you to go there? Is your, is your history um, spending time in meditation uh, is that kind of where the two of these things came together for you? Like I, I was interested in, in meditation and this deeper sense of mystery and and the connection to sound and uh, vibration and physics and all that stuff. And that's where I drew a connection to it. And then I began sharing that with an audience that shared that vision. But in a way, I've sort of evolved away from that yeah, it sort of becomes hard for me to maintain that vision, if you know what I mean, because I, I, I'm i sort of losing that sense of direction in the sense of uh, a connection to something spiritual or, or something like that, as far as what people, like the niche audience that I've built, I believe, is it resonates with them because of the fact that it has meaning, a deeper meaning to them, but... I feel like I'm moving away from that meaning. 
you know, you're talking about evolution, which is totally natural and normal for entrepreneurs. I mean, one of the things that, that I know when I've helped other people launch their businesses is I always let them know, like, look, what you think you know now and why you think you're launching might transform when you really find who your audience really is and where your desires end up falling, right? Things change. And so it's, it's actually a good thing that you're evolving and you're, and you're moving in that direction. I don't know if you're comfortable or not with evolving. A lot of entrepreneurs, are, they're terrified of evolution. Um, they hate letting go of their original purpose because they feel like they have to satisfy that purpose. And they're very, you know, boxed into that thing that they thought they were doing. And it turns out, oh my gosh, I actually am not doing that thing anymore. What's happened to me? I got to go back. It's like, no, you don't really have to go back. This is, this is life, you know? So can you talk a little bit about where, where are you in this process? Yeah, I think I'm exactly at that point that you just mentioned. So it's like, I have that inattention, the one that you just described. And I've had that for a little while where I'm like, oh, like, you know, I've created this one thing and then I have to like, I feel like I have to keep the momentum of that one thing, but I'm wanting to do something different. So for example, I want to create, like I said, something like a, a physical art that is created from sound, but has more of a personal um, abstract sort of intention put into it. So visually, it's not like everything I've been creating. And I've shared some of these things along the way and they just do not resonate with other people. And it's like, with at least with the audience that I've built. And so I'm like at the tension of being like, okay, like this is what I want to explore, but I know that it doesn't really resonate with my audience. And then at the same time, like continuing the momentum and, you know, serving the audience, the value that, that they, um, that they do resonate with. And, and there's sort of like that, mm -hmm. that tension there. And I think that's kind of like what you're describing is like that point of, it's, it's sort of like a, it's, it's sort of like a growth, um, but it's, it's, it's yeah. an attention. Well, you know, Bob um, Dylan, when yeah. he put down the acoustic guitar and picked up the electric guitar, he lost his entire fan base. <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, he really right. did. Like, people were just right. like, no, we want you to stay folk forever. He's like, I'm growing. I'm an artist. I transform. I change. I'm not going back ever. And he never did. He never did. I mean, he's, you know, he does his, his acoustic sometimes. You know, when you're an artist, you have to transform. Otherwise, you'll spiritually, artistically die. I mean, if your goal is to continuously evolve and create something brand new based on your child-like experience with wonder, which is what I hear, maybe your goal isn't to serve the audience. You really have to serve yourself because when you serve yourself, the audience will come just like it did the first time. That's that's it. I think that that's where I'm at right now and that's the tension. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to figure out in a way that I can, in a way, continue to serve that audience in a particular way, but move on to like the next step in my evolution and sort of um, serve myself in a way, you know, and explore what I actually really want to explore, even though it doesn't, yeah, like resonate with them as much and build a new audience. Do you feel like this would have happened naturally for you? Or do you think that your digital transformation online sort of did this? I mean, some, I mean, here's why I'm asking. Sometimes this is the pain point of being online is that you create, you create a thing, it becomes successful and it turns into a, an endless feeding 
frenzy machine. Like you have to keep feeding it. Otherwise, like you're just, you're, you're in this, you're almost, you, you become, you become the gerbil on the treadmill. I hate to use the cliche, but it really is. That's what it, it becomes a grind. But I look at, I look at your platforms, right? So you have, um, you've got a YouTube channel that now has like almost 4,500 subscribers and you haven't even running that channel that long. You know, you're in monetization land. And this is something we talked about back in 2018. And you didn't even know what I was talking about back then. You're like, what am I going to do on YouTube? I'm like, you're going to monetize and make money. You're like, really? I'm like, yeah, you're going to make money on YouTube. You know, and and on your Instagram, you know, for example, you have, you know, 70,000 followers, right? And you haven't bought, you haven't purchased any advertising to do this. Do you think that the online platforms, which are a beast that you have to keep feeding, has has created this? Would, would you have normally, you know, said to yourself, I have to do something different? Like what impact did these online, the success of your online platforms have on where you are right now? Or did it not? I think without having that outlet or that sort of feedback loop of putting things out into the world and then getting feedback and, and whatever and creating mm-hmm. my my pages and stuff like that. Like I, I probably wouldn't have be doing anything. Like I, I needed that. And that actually was a struggle from the beginning where I was like, you know, when I started creating, I decided, should I share this with the world on, on these platforms? Um, or do I wait until I feel like I'm good enough uh, until my images are like like other people who have been exploring it, um, are they? Do I do I share something that is half good, or do I wait until I've experienced something that is I, I'm happy with, and then begin sharing that? And I think that you know I, I I decided I have to share the journey, and that's why I called it journey of curiosity, because I had to be okay with it not being good enough. And then sharing that. And so the whole thing is a journey. And I, I, I got to a point where I'm like, hey, I'm happy with it now. And if I didn't start sharing back then, then I probably, you know, still would be like not unhappy with it now and then never have even shared it. So I don't think that I would have even experienced any sense of growth or a need to change because I wouldn't have had that sort of ability to to forge and, and create and, and share and get feedback and stuff like that. Everything to me starts with being curious. And because you're curious, you know, you stay humble. You listen to other people and you take their feedback. You listen for advice and information and that's how you create. Um, and I think that's I think that's wonderful. I feel like that is the best path for an entrepreneur to be successful is to maintain curiosity throughout the process and not believe that you know everything, that other people can provide ideas that'll help you grow. What you're talking about is applicable to anyone, frankly, that is that has an idea that they're doubting, but they just have to jump and go. Is that what you think creatives should be doing? How, what would you advise creatives that are in an environment that we're in right now. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's like an imposter syndrome where I sense like I I, I don't feel like I want to give other Ooh, people advice. I love you way. for that. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like, I, I feel like I need <laughs> advice. You know what I mean? And, and I don't want to give other people <laughs> advice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
You know, I, I was thinking as I was looking at your platforms, I was like, man, you know, how do you protect this intellectual property? Do you even care about that kind of thing? Does it matter to you? Well, it's at the point now because it's actually really simple to do and anyone can do it. And there is other people who do it. It's all about weaving a narrative around it. You're good at that. Yeah. And I think that's it. Like, that's it. Like, um, there's other people who do this and other people I feel like they're better than me, but they don't have the audience uh, because I think that they're not, they're not connecting on a certain level or they're not weaving a narrative or they're not using the platforms in a certain way. Are you able to create an environment where you could make something and say, this thing I create with this sound is going to help you feel this way? Uh, okay. So this is, this is the bit where I, I start to get to the point of inattention. So, so back in the, like, you know, when I was starting out, like, I'd feel like that was true, but now I don't. And I think that it's so hard to, to reconcile providing a sense of, you know, wanting to believe or like wanting to believe that certain sounds can, can help us or do certain things and stuff like that. But it all comes back to just listening to whatever makes you feel good. And, and there's, it's, it's hard because especially with my page and the audience that kind of contacts me a lot, you know, they reach out to me a lot and they always ask these kind of questions and there is no simple answers. And I think that people want to believe in these things, like certain sounds helping certain things or making you feel a certain way. I think that it's, it's mainly just a psychological thing. And, and I think that it's just whatever makes you feel good. That's why you have so many people that follow you and love your messaging. One of the things I know is about your channels, you get extraordinary engagement. You don't just get people liking your posts, you get people commenting. But I will say that back in 2018, when I first reached out to you about monetizing on YouTube, because <laughs> like you got to monetize, um, you responded, you responded. And I think that that's part of it. You know, how you've been able to build your audience up is that you're authentic and you're really trying to make you know, real connections with people. People reach out to you. What are sort of, what are the top three questions people ask you? I've, I'm dying to know. It ranges from things like, first of all, like what you're saying, like, is there certain sounds or certain frequencies um, that I can listen to that would affect me in certain ways and things like that. But also, actually, there's a lot of people who resonate really deeply and they see a lot of meaning in it. Uh, and they just, they simply just thankful. And that's really interesting to me and really like, I'm like, wow, you know, really? <laughs> uh, and, then, and then the other thing is, how do I do it myself? So that's actually something that I'm thinking of doing as my next step as I move on to a, a deeper evolution of exploring sound uh, art on a more uh, personal level is, uh, is, is sort of sharing uh, like a how-to course, courses and things like that of how to do it yourself and how to explore that. I love that. That's always easy to monetize. You can always monetize how to, especially on a platform like, um, on a platform like YouTube for sure. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to advertise YouTube. I'm just saying that that platform is designed for that kind of work. And that's, that kind of brings me to the last sort of, um, little area that I wanted to talk about. So you have your platform on Instagram, which is really the first place that I engage with your content. It's a beautiful beautiful uh, presentation of your work 
Um, you've organized it really well. You work alone, right? It's just, I'm not going to say just you because just you was a lot, but this is you, right? All these things, um, the FAQ, the process, uh, um, semantics, bookshelf, and all these beautiful graphics on your journey.of.curiosity. Um, how do you curate your content on this on this channel? How do you do all this? So yeah, it's 100 percent me. Um, I've never never reposted a post or anything like that. Um, 100 percent every single post, and that was incredibly difficult, especially at the beginning. I was posting three times a day of content that I fully created. One of your posts has ten thousand views. One of your posts. It's the post on March sixteenth. And it's increasing frequency, smaller wavelength. Um, you know, it's it's beautiful. Notice um, the surface waves get closer together as the frequency gets higher, you know, and you're inviting people. Let me know your thoughts. And if you have mm. questions or ideas, and then you have a an incredible roll of questions and, and comments, and there's, there's different <laughs> yeah. languages in here. Um, yeah, you know, how do you do all this work? How do you actually an interesting thing that uh, for me is that I, I've always found it very difficult to stick to things and I'm always procrastinating and all that sort of thing. And one thing that, that I've actually continued for the longest period of anything in my life is, is, is this page. And one, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Jacob, <laughs> the only thing I've ever seen spent this much time in my life is this page. I love this. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And um, the consistency that I've had is, you know, like uh, I'm not consistent with, with much, um, but I've been consistent with this somehow. And I think the one thing that has actually helped me take for uh, Instagram, for example, is that I have like a layout. Like, so like I have like, okay, I'm going to do like these three posts of, um, this and then I'm going to do a quote post and then uh, a, maybe a concept post around a certain idea or something like that. And but I follow a specific pattern since the very beginning, like since I started, like I planned that out, and that has helped me tremendously because I'm like, okay, now I know what is next. I don't know what I'm going to post or whatever, but I know exactly. I'm like, okay, so the next post has to be a quote post, and that has actually allowed me to mm -hmm. like really overcome a lot of um, tendency to, to not be consistent because I kind of have a sense of certainty of like what is next, even though I don't know the context or, or the actual content itself. But it's like, that's that's been really helpful to me. Well, I love this post on June 14th. Um, Semantics is the study and art of sound and vibration made visible through physics and photography. Learn more and for photography prints, tap the links in my bio. So you're, you've you know moved on to selling prints, that's really beautiful because um, I'm hoping that's going well for you, mm -hmm. that you're able to sell prints. This one is particularly gorgeous. It's got blue and yellow shimmering everything. And you're asking people, see if you can hear or feel the vibration in your hand. Oh, right. You yeah. know, I mean, you're really making this like uh, this invitation and connection, a human connection in a very inhuman space. And so now what's what is your what is the purpose of your YouTube channel? Um, that one is actually moved very quickly. There's a lot of this work on YouTube. You seem to be having success, and of course, it's all very beautiful looking. You know, you've got a 20 minute meditation um, module here. Talk about your 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 process has to be different on your YouTube versus your Instagram. Yeah, I mean, like it's a good space for long form videos, uh, obviously. And I honestly have really not been trying 
with the YouTube channel. Like I really need to actually put some work into that and, uh, you know, create a, create a narrative around that as well and, and, and create some intention there with creating long form sort of relaxation and meditation videos um, using certain significant sounds and creating the visual of the physics from that. Yeah, it's it's at the moment, honestly, it's just it's just organically just grown just from me just posting the longer versions of the videos there um, without much intention. Yeah, yeah, this one on uh, 10 months ago, um, one, it's almost got 2000 views. It's the Shaland knee plate. How do you pronounce that? Oh, right. Yep. So that's the Cladney. It's pronounced Cladney. Cladney plate. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's two main types of cymatics really, which is the the water, light, and sound. And then there's the sand and like a metal plate. It's named after this guy from the 1800s. Uh, his name's mm-hmm. it's Cladney. And he would like travel around with a, a brass square plate and then he'd like strike a violin bow along the side of it. And then once he'd sprinkled some sort of sand or something on it, it would create these patterns and he'd show everyone and everyone was like, wow, that's cool. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you're, you know, the, the reality is, is that when you are an entrepreneur, a small business owner, someone with an idea that you want to share with the world, you do have to have curiosity. You have to want to learn and want to know things in order to be successful. It's just, it's a natural form of, of creation. It's something that, that has to take place. Otherwise, I don't know, I don't know how anyone can do anything without without being curious. I don't know how anyone that's successful can, can, can create what you've created with this. You know, I love looking at your channel. I encourage every single person that's listening to the show to investigate Journey of Curiosity. Jacob has a gorgeous YouTube channel with amazing longer form videos. His Instagram channel is very inspirational. Um, the music and the sound that, that comes off the channel is, is tremendous. It's colorful. There's a lot of messaging and he's very connected to sharing what he knows with others and, and you know, helping people feel good and, and just get him while he's here before he moves on. Because like Bob Dylan, um, once he moves on, he's not turning back. <laughs> so um, I want everyone to bring chaos into order by checking out Journey of Curiosity um, you can find his work everywhere and I will be leaving the information in the show notes. Oh, and you should also go to journeyofcuriosity.net, which is um, the website where you can make purchases of some prints of these of this beautiful work that he's um, created and, and just sort of follow his own journey. I want to thank everyone for listening in to the Honest Field Guide podcast with um, Jacob and the Journey of Curiosity I'm Ginger. I'm Jacob. And thank you so much for joining and um, hopefully come and talk to us and listen in next time. There are a few ways you can help my show grow and reach more listeners like you. You can share my show across your networks via email, text, or your social media channels. You can become a regular subscriber on your platform of choice. And especially important, leave a happy review on your favorite podcast platform. Original music is written by and provided courtesy of Utah Carol. Follow Honest Field Guide on Instagram and Twitter. The opinions expressed on the Honest Field Guide are opinions only 